0: We'll invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. We'll read verses uh, 4 through 9, page 982 in the Blue Bible if you have one, 982. Philippians chapter 4, we'll read verses 4 through 9. This is a great little book of 104 verses with many exciting themes. I took the had the pleasure last night of reading through the entire book again last night. It takes 15 or so minutes to do that. And I was struck again by all the awesome themes that we that we see within this book. And it's my plan that as we have the 17th induction in this in this series in the book of Philippians this morning, that I'll go 19 sermons. And that final final sermon, as it is a closing in the book, and we'll recap some of those great themes that we see here in this wonderful small portion of God's Word that is just so jam-packed with so many awesome encouragements that it is good for us to know and to know them well. So let's read now, beginning at verse 4, Philippians 4, down through verse 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Oh Lord, as we once again turn to another amazing passage within this book of Philippians, we ask that your Holy Spirit would guide us, illuminate our eyes and that we would go forward not unchanged, but changed, transformed and renewed by the renewing of our minds. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Tammy and I had the pleasure of going to Southern California a number of months ago. And while we were there, we did a walking tour, a bird watching and listening tour. And I don't know if you've ever done one of those, but it sounds super boring. It sounds really boring to go on a bird walk and to listen to birds chirping and see birds and identify different birds. But it was quite incredible. It was amazing To see and to hear all these different sounds, to see all the different species in God's created order within the birds, and also the variations even within species. It's quite incredible to see and to hear all of the sounds when you are listening. Some of them have long chirps, some of them have big uh, stutters, some of them have loud blasts. And all of these things make up the bird world. And if you are a birder, you know quite well what it's like to walk along and to be able to differentiate these different things. It truly is remarkable to tune in and to listen to what is going on around us because we can miss it quite easily. And as our guide said, you hear what you listen for. You hear what you listen for. It's quite, a, quite an amazing thing. If you go for a walk and just pay no attention to the birds you're completely oblivious. But when you tune in and when you focus in and when you listen, when you get in tune with what's happening around you, it's quite fascinating. You hear what you listen for. And our question this morning for us, for you and for I, is what are we listening for? What are we listening for? What are you tuned into? And the competition for your mind is perhaps greater now than it ever has been. We are bombarded continually with things that want the competing focus and force of our minds to be gathered to them. What are we listening for? It's very important because when we look in the Bible, we see a direct correlation between the things that we think about and our practice. The things that we think about are going to influence our actions and how we live those different beliefs out. It's going to overflow into our actions. Thinking leads to doing. Doing. Thinking leads to doing. And that is the way our theological learning should be. Our thinking about theological things should influence the way that we live. And we see this pattern played out within the writings of Paul and within the writers of Scripture. Think about the book of Romans, for instance. You look at the the first 11 chapters of that great book of Romans. Heavy theological concepts that are within there. And then there's a transition that occurs at the beginning of chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's a transformation that occurs through the renewal of our minds. The mind, the teaching that goes on to ourselves, and that we hear should influence our action. We don't just want to learn information. We want to be learning information for the purpose of transformation. And we see the same pattern in the book of Ephesians, don't we? The first three chapters, doctrinal, heavy theological concepts, great theological things that are going on there. And then again, chapter 4, there's a transition into life. You've learned these things. Now put them into practice. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We've been called to action, not just to learning, but to implement those things that we are learning. And then verse 2 goes on there in Ephesians 4. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. See, these are action things within the body. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Thinking leads to Doing. Our orthodoxy, our right doctrine, should lead us to orthopraxy, right practice. And so now in Philippians 4 and verses 4 through 9, we should view these all together. And last week we looked at verses 4 through 7 and we saw how to pray rightly, right praying, what that looks like in verses 4 through 7. And there is an important pattern that emerges for us here. And that is to pray, to think, and to do. To pray, to think, and to do. That is the basic pattern that we see here. In verse 6, it gives us a pattern for right praying. How to pray rightly, which we dealt with last time. And this morning, verse 8 gives us a pattern for right thinking. How to think rightly. And then verse 9 gives us a pattern for right practice. How we are to act accordingly based on those things that we've learned. How that is supposed to work its way out in our life. And taken together, right praying, right thinking, right practice, is an antidote to anxiety. And the apostle here mentions anxiety in verse 6 for us, where he says to be anxious for nothing. Nothing. We're to be anxious about nothing, but we are to pray about everything. And so this is God's antidote for us, for the anxieties that come along and want to overwhelm us in our lives. And you may recall last time that I mentioned a study that I'd read that says we have at least 10,000 thoughts that go through our mind every day. 10,000 thoughts at least every single day. We are constantly thinking. But what are we thinking about? What are we stopping on? Are we thinking well? And one of the realities that we live with in this world is that we have to admit that sometimes we get stuck in our thinking. We get into our rut in the way that we think. And so we need to be careful that we are praying rightly, that we are thinking rightly, and that we have right practice that is going on, that we are thinking on things that are excellent, thinking on things that are worthy of praise, the things which God approves, and that is what we ought to be tuning our hearts into and listening for as we walk in this world. In verse verse 6, Paul calls us to pray instead of worry to set aside worry and to be anxious for nothing. And then we will have the peace of God when we pray rightly. Pray in the manner that we see here in verse 6. And now in verse 8, our first point this morning, Paul calls us to right thinking. Right thinking. And we see the last phrase in verse 8. Think about these things. And then the rest of that verse, the first part, tells us all of those things which make up the these things. The things that we are to think about. Now that word think in the Greek has to do with the idea of logic. We are logically to apply the things that we learn. We are to meditate upon those things. We are to think about those things and the implications, these virtues that we see here, these six different virtues. We are to think about the implications that go along with that. And, and you must admit that our feelings and our actions are a result of the way that we think. What we think about, what we allow our minds to rest upon is going to influence the way that we feel, our emotional life, and it's going to influence the actions that we take. And Jesus says as much in Matthew or in Mark chapter 7, verses 20 to 23. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Now that's an awful list, isn't it? It's a terrible list. And what we are to focus our mind upon are not things that are incorporated in that terrible list there. All of those sins that we see highlighted there. We are to focus in on the virtues that we see listed here in verse 8 and also the fruit of the Spirit, cultivating that spiritual work within our own hearts. That is the negative list that we see, that Jesus just gave us. And here we see something very, very positive. These positive aspects, these things that will bring about peace in our lives. We are to begin with prayer, and then we are allow our thoughts to be controlled by these different virtues that we see. Now our anxieties take their root in our thought life. We think about things in our past. We think about sins of our past. We think about regrets in the past and things that we can't go back and we can't change. And we are anxious about thoughts in the present, things that are encroaching in our lives and seeking to overwhelm us in this world right now, this morning, here. And then we think about the future, most of which is never going to happen anyways, and yet we worry about those things that are never going to happen. And so all of these things from our past that we can't change, all of these anxieties and pressures in this world right now pressing in upon us, and then all of those future things seek to cripple us with anxiety. And how are we going to combat that? Well, God and the Apostle Paul thankfully give us a way forward. And the first thing that we see here is that we are to pray rightly, then we are to think rightly, Whatever is true, verse 8, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. How do we think rightly? We filter our thoughts. We don't allow those anxieties to spin out of control. We filter them. We read earlier from Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. There it is again, peace, as a result of the way that we think and live God's way, God's prescription for anxiety and anxious thoughts that want to overwhelm us. We are to evaluate the virtues Paul lists here, and we are to take an inventory. We are to logically think through these things and filter through uh, our lives all of these different virtues and the things that we are doing and see if they add up. Now let's look at these virtues one by one just very briefly. Whatever is true. This means reading and meditating upon the Word of God. And all of the rest of the virtues hinge upon this virtue. Whatever is true. John 17, we see, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So the word of God is critical as we combat anxiety. Whatever is true, we are to think upon those things. Whatever is honorable, and your version could say noble at this point. It simply means that which is majestic or awe-inspiring. It means to revere, to revere. It's the opposite of that which is earthly or mundane or routine or trivial. We're to think upon these things which cause us to think about how awesome God is, how awesome the Word is, and how awesome He is in grace and creation and all the different ways in His power and wisdom and knowledge. Whatever is just, that is right or righteous, conforming to God's standard, we are to think about that which is consistent with the law of God. Allow the Word of God to filter our thoughts in the way that we think. Whatever is pure, that is morally pure. Talking about moral purity here. Our thoughts are governed by God's Word, are undefiled in our thinking, pure in our thinking. And when a Christian walks in these ways, along these lines, it will direct the choices that we make. And we see that working its way out in Psalm 119 and verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? by guarding it according to your word. And so morality, we are checked by God's word in terms of morality and ethically. And then whatever is lovely, and the word here means that which is gracious or generous or patient, pursuing that which is pleasing and commendable by God, that which accompanies grace. God has been gracious to us. We are to have a life of grace. Whatever is commendable, That is highly regarded. Or if you have the New King James or King James, it says of good report. And that has to do with how we talk to one another how we encourage one another. It has to do with that which builds people up as opposed to that which tears down, showing common Christian courtesy towards one another in the way that we speak, that we are respectful and kind and loving and gracious and prayerful in relation to our brothers and sisters. And then we see that great summary statement there, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That is the filter That is God's way for us to filter the way that we think. And the key to living rightly is to think rightly. And the key to thinking rightly is to live out these virtues that we see here. We are to replace poor thinking with these virtues. Filter our minds and our thoughts. Regulate our thoughts by the virtues that we see here. And it's a checklist that we can use to check our thinking and to check our behavior. How should we behave? Well, we look at this list. How should we engage in social media? We can look at this list. How should we treat and speak to one another? We can look at this list. How should we, what should be important to us as individuals in a church? We can look at this list. What music, movies, podcasts should I watch or listen to? We can filter it through this list. This is a checklist for us that we can evaluate our lives. And as a result of living this way and having this right thinking, we will have peace. And the second point is found in verse 9 for us. Practice these things. So there are things that we are to think about. We are to think about these things and then we are to practice these things. And though anxiety is a problem, God's Word gives us the prescription for anxiety. Uh, After the service this morning, and I preached this, someone came up to me and said that someone at their school came and they did a a little seminar on how to combat anxiety anxiety, and their answer from the world was to breathe properly. Breathing. Now, should we be breathing well and have a healthy lifestyle and eating well and doing all these things? Of course we should be. But that is vastly different from God's prescription to combat anxiety that we see here in Philippians chapter 4. And one of the themes in Paul's epistle to the church at Philippi is that Paul calls us to imitate him to imitate him in Christ's likeness. That is one of the themes of Philippians, Christ's likeness. And it's not uncommon for Paul to do that. We see that in First Corinthians chapter 11. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In Philippians 3.17 that we looked at a number of weeks ago, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And then here in our passage in verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Follow up with the learning that you've done and put those things into practice. Practicing Christ likeness in the way that we live, pouring ourselves out for other people. That's the way Paul lived, that's the way Christ lived. Taking the focus off of ourselves and putting it onto serving and serving other people. And that's another instrument that we use to combat anxiety because one of the aspects of anxiety is that it causes us to withdraw into ourselves, to maybe even remove ourselves from the fellowship of God's people, to be distant, to be alone, to be isolated. And it just cripples us even further. And what we ought to do is to deny ourselves and to take up our cross. And then our faith will grow stronger and stronger. And that grip that anxiety has upon us will grow weaker and weaker. And we see great promises in this passage. We see at the end of verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. As we meditate on the virtues of verse 8, And practice Christ's likeness in verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. And we saw that back in verse 7. The promise is the peace of God that will be with you. In verse 9, it is the God of peace will be with you. And the promise is that God Himself is going to show up in your life when you are praying rightly, when you are thinking rightly, and when you are practicing rightly. These things. That is the payoff for right praying right thinking, right practice. It is the receiving of that promised peace that we all long to have in our lives. We need to feed our minds on the right things, follow through with the right practice. And then also in verse 9, we see those verbs learned, received, heard, seen. If our minds are to think rightly, then they need to be encouraged and nourished by the teaching and preaching and the example of the Word of God lived out. And so being amongst the community of believers in the public worship is very, very important. Private worship, family worship, very, very important. Using our gifts and the abilities God gives us for the service and the engagement of God's people, another very important thing. Involved in a home group, being encouraged by others around us, very important. That is how we are to think about these things continually and have these virtues alive in our lives and to practice these things so that the God of peace will be with you. Right praying, right thinking, right practice. That's God's prescription for anxiety. Now remember what that bird-watching tour guide said to us. You hear what you listen for. And the question to us is what are we listening to? What are we listening for? What are we tuned to? There are more sources competing for your minds now than there ever has been. We are bombarded daily by the media, by social media, by advertising, by music, by movies, by podcasts, by all kinds of things that we are allowing into our ears and, in, in, and before our eyes. How are we going to filter those things? What are we going to do? What are we listening for in those things? And, and one of the aspects of our lives that we have to be honest about is that we are often select listeners. We listen to those things that we want to hear instead of those things that we need to hear. Instead of those things that will admonish us and correct us, we listen to those things that will further entrench us into those things that we already believe. And so when we think about right praying and right thinking and right practice... Another thing we have to admit is that we are imperfect at all of these things, and so we need to practice these things continually. And if we were to take a look at this list, we would have to see that instead of truth, we lie, we deceive, we manipulate. And instead of being just and righteous, we grievously sin. And instead of being pure, we're filthy. And instead of being commendable, we are reprehensible. And there's nothing worthy of praise within us. And so that's exactly why we need a Savior. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are sitting here this morning and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot, be, you cannot even begin to apply God's antidote to anxiety. You will not have peace. You can't have peace. Because you are at enmity with God. And that is the first step. That is ground zero that you need to apply in your life this morning is to get right with God. And then you can begin to apply these things that we see here in this wonderful passage. There is nothing commendable within us outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God commends His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. And so Christ embodies verse 8 and outside of Christ we are the opposite of everything in verse 8. We need Christ. We need that righteousness that He offers to us. No, No peace, guilt, and condemnation inside of Christ and no peace, plenty of guilt, thorough condemnation if we are outside of Christ. So we need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do, He gives us new eyes to see. And we can see all of these virtues and apply all these virtues and seek and ask His help by the empowering work of the Holy Spirit to live in this way. So we do not perfectly live out verse 8. Christ has for us. And if you were to insert the, the word Christ before every one of these virtues, you would just see how perfectly He has done so. Jesus is true. John 14:6, "I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." Ephesians 4:21, "The truth is in Jesus. John 1. He's full of grace and truth. Jesus is honorable. He's to be worshipped. He's to be revered. We see that in Hebrews one and verse six, and again, when He brings the firstborn into the world, he says, "Let all God's angels worship him." We are to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is just. He's perfectly righteous. We see that in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. You are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And Jesus is pure. 1 John 3 and verse 3. Everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Jesus is lovely. Jesus is commendable. Jesus is excellent. And worthy of praise. And we see that repeated continually throughout our Bibles. But Revelation, chapter 5 and verses 12 to 14 tell us this. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshipped. What a passage. What a wonderful passage like so many others in God's Word telling us how excellent and worthy of praise the Lord Jesus Christ is. If you are ever anxious, meditate on these things in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ and that you are found in Him and all of these things that we do imperfectly, He has perfectly done for you. What an encouragement that is to us. John Wesley said, I can't stop birds from flying over my head, but I can stop them from nesting in my hair. What he meant by that, of course, is don't let those roots of anxiety come in and take hold and grow and flourish nip those things in the bud, stop them by looking at a great list like this and filtering all of your thoughts through a great list like this. What are you to listen for? Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. That is what we are to listen to. Are we listening to the Lord Jesus Christ? My sheep hear my voice. And he says to us this morning to be anxious for nothing and to pray about everything and to think on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Oh God, these things can be so easy sometimes to read, to talk about, and yet so difficult for us as frail people to implement. So simple and yet so profound. And I just pray that you'd give us all the courage to begin anew today to pray rightly, to think rightly, and to practice these things, that you would be honored and glorified in all that we say and all that we do, all that we think, and that our thinking would spill over into our actions that would be pleasing and honoring to your great name. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.